You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Episode 367 of the New Utah Podcast. Coming at you live from Shades of Pelbering. Hey, will you turn me up some yep. more? We're probably going to have to turn us all up. There we go. Whoa, that's way too much. There we go. Probably <laughs> good. We'll probably have to play around with the, the levels of the headphones a little bit. Um, I don't know if Jeremy and yours is good. Mine sounds okay. Yeah. Yours is good now? Yep. Mine's good. Julia. Julia. Your head's okay. okay. Your can's okay? Yes. Good. <laughs> this happens. Uh, episode 367 of the New Utah Podcast. We're out on site. Um, when was was Red Rock the last time we went on site? It might have been. I was I was thinking of that when we were trying to get this set up and having our issues. Yeah, sometimes we don't use this board at home because the board at home doesn't move because it's a nice, more semi-professional board. Um, but uh, we're at Shades. Uh, we're at Shades. Go ahead and have a seat, Trent. We just started. Uh, we were having a few technical difficulties. It took a little bit longer than we usually to get set up. But we're here. We're here at Shades. Um, uh, we're joined, uh, by, by Trent from Shades. Uh, oh, you can, you probably didn't turn his mic on. I don't think it's on. Oh, he's on. I just turned oh, it okay, on. Good. Good. Okay, good. Yeah, you just talk right into it. Yeah, I'm here. So there we go. There he is. <laughs> I'm we can hear him and everything. Thank you for yeah. having me. And if you need to adjust your cans, your volumes, your right volume. just what you hear. Yeah. yeah. Need to I'm good. I think everything's good. Yeah. Perfect. Sweet. Good. Um, so, so what you, our listeners don't know is we're going to take a tour in a few minutes, but we wanted to get started and do our little intro first. Yeah. Just get that out of the way. Then we'll go take a tour and then we'll come back and talk to Trent. And we'll, and we'll tell you all about it because we're cool like that. And that's why we're here. So first you got to hear about our well, story. Some of us are cool. <laughs> well, we went to Texas. Yeah, we I don't did. I not if that's cool or not. We were in Austin for the last weekend. Isn't the saying keep Austin weird? No, that's stupid. It's also keep Portland weird, keep Seattle yeah. weird. Like it's just a dumb marketing thing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's not really a thing. It's why would really you want to go to a weird city anyway? I mean, some people like to do weird shit. You know, like fire their entire police force and wonder why they have like the Walking Dead drug scenes in their <laughs> town at like Portland. I was gonna say you're talking about Portland, aren't you? Yeah. Well, and like all the WalMarts completely pulled out of Portland. I think Target did too. Yeah. No, no joke. Like, yeah, you and can Chicago. see, you can see videos of completely empty Walmarts because the theft has just been so brazen. And well, then they, they didn't, they legalize everything, like everything. They decriminalized or everything. decriminalized. And there's a difference, but yeah. So like the, the zombie drug scenes there and in Philly, Philly is the other place where that weird, like zombie fentanyl hybrid drug is where they like take it and they like walk around hunched over. It's creepy. It must not be sunny in Philadelphia anymore. Oh, no. Austin was cool. We got to do uh, a few really cool things. Go see their capital, which is, I think Bree and I now have decided we're going to go see every state's capital. We're going to see all the capitals. That's cool. Iowa's is really cool. Iowa's If you get a chance. Yeah, except for the, uh, why do we want to go to Iowa? You said you want to go to all the capitals. So Michigan, Iowa, and Texas. All of the capitals of places that I want to Go, <laughs> Michigan, Iowa, and Texas were all designed and by the same guy. All. Yeah, so they're all very similar. The Iowa one is super cool. Just saying that we've seen the Texas one, so that's low on the list now. Because yeah, because now we've seen Texas. Dude. All by the same. <laughs> dude. If you've been to one, frankly, right? You've been to them all. Although, well, and I bet you in Iowa there was there's not some guy in the rotunda yelling like his political beliefs. And you never know. It is Bible Iowa. Iowa in his hand. Yeah, that guy was crazy. Literally, Iowa does. Have, theirs is gold plated. They're oh yeah. They're 
Dome. Dome. Texas is uh, taller than the Capitol. It had to be taller than the U.S. It's Capitol. just their statue. It's Texas. They're, they have a 16-foot statue that they put on top of it. Because it's it Texas. Taller. It's Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. That's what they say. Apparently. Apparently. It is huge. That Capitol is huge. I didn't realize they're only once every two years in Texas. So not yeah. only are they part-time, but they're only once every two years. It's like 140 years. days or so something. So we complain about ours once a year, and they only do every other year. Yeah, they do it for 140 days, but like... Well, just make your state open carry, and then you But their pictures are really cool of their legislature. They actually put pictures of, like, their grandkids. And their kids. And their kids on there to remind them, like... That they're the supposed to supposedly working for unlike, the future. Unlike ours, it's a memorial to themselves. I mean, it's a shrine. Like it's, it's similar. Like they do have pictures of themselves. Yeah, there's pictures of them. Gotcha. But, um, but yeah, it's like uh, Herbert. He's got the biggest damn picture in the whole rotunda. So big they had to put it on its own wall. It is really cool though. That, it's that not a cool picture either. Awesome. That, that, that capital's <laughs> awesome. They made all their governors have the same size pictures oh. in theirs, but they all have similar things. Gotcha. But that's what dictators do. They have their yeah. picture everywhere, right? And it's, it's big. It's big. If you've ever been to the Utah Capitol, we've talked about this. So there's like, everyone's got like a regular, like normal kind of painting. From the very first governor all the way around. And, and then, then there's Herbert. Herbert. And, and it's, it's like, like four, twice as big. It's more than twice as big. It's, Enormous. So this isn't going to mean anything to the listeners, but it's like the size of that door over there. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty big. Yeah, and then the, and rest, the rest of them are, are like this big. size. Like, yeah, they're maybe closer to. No, that. I think they're this size. Normal size. Yeah, and normal size. His was so things. big they couldn't put it in the rotunda with the rest. So they had to stick it on the outside. So they started a new section, is what they said. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, it was fun. We got to go see the bats in Austin, and we got to see RSL win. That's in, awesome. Uh, the, After another just you know rain delay. Yeah, that Q2 Stadium, which way better to deal with a rain delay in that stadium. Holy cow, Q2 Stadium, man. That is an awesome stadium. There's a lot. RSL's got a lot to learn about. Really good food. They played stuff during, like, when we were down, so we had stuff to watch. Frozen mixed drinks. Oh, yeah, frozen mixed drinks. You're not in Utah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, their margaritas are green because their color is green. Apparently, it's officially pistachio, which doesn't sound very... Does it taste all right, or is it... No, no not the, the margarita, color. the color. Oh, pistachio. I thought you were So every team, if you, if you ask like a fan, most teams know like what the actual color of their team color is. So like RSL is Claret, right. Cobalt, Cobalt, and what's the gold? Victory gold. Victory gold. There's a pistachio. Pistachio. Yeah. Somebody told us we'd look better in pistachio. Pistachio. So, anyway, <laughs> so you're, so yeah, no work happened at my house, but you guys. Garden is finally in. With all this crazy weather, this is by far the longest it has ever taken me to get my garden in. It's definitely past Mother's Day. Yeah. But tomatoes went in on Sunday. I'm done. Everything's planted. Oh, good. No peas this year, I'm guessing. No, way too late. Well, peas are uh, um, St. Patrick's Day is kind of the rule, middle of March for peas. We still had a foot of snow. Yeah, there was no planting those. No peas. And in fact, most of the people that I've talked to that did peas... They're not looking good. No. So it's probably not going to be a very good pea harvest. It's a good thing I got a bunch of peas left over from last year in my freezer still. Yeah. Uh, and then Pride. Julia, Pride give us a Pride update. It was Pride this weekend in can Austin, Can you hear too. me? Yes, yeah, we, we can. can. I cannot hear me. Okay, cool. Sounds awesome. Uh, so Pride was Pride was good. It was a little wild. Now can you hear? Maybe. Yeah, now I can Just hear myself. Cool. Yeah. All right, so Pride, Pride was a little bit wild. Always wild. Yeah, but it was a little extra wild. Extra this wild. Year. So well, there were some weather issues I, too. Don't spoil it. <laughs> I did see Jesus. <laughs> he made a few posts. Jesus made some posts. Yeah, Jesus was there. It wasn't Jesus. 
No, this was actual Jesus. Was he on like a hoverboard? No, not gay Jesus. He had the full, like everything. Not not mocking Jesus, though. Like he was there to support people. I love it. It's the good Jesus. All right. You know who good else Jesus. looked like Jesus is the guy that kidnapped Elizabeth Smart. In yeah, fact, we he called did. him homeless Jesus. For that years. is true. We did refer to him as homeless Jesus for quite some time. So yeah, no, the, the storm, that was crazy. Yeah. So right, probably five minutes before Pride was supposed to start and they were going to let people in, all of a sudden all the security is running around, emergency evacuation, get out now. And they didn't tell us why. So we're all thinking there's a bomb threat or something. Well, you sent me a message. We're being emergency evacuated. And that's what, and I called him like, what's going on? Cause that's kind of what I thought. Pride is it some sort of. Uh huh. So they made everyone leave for about three hours, uh, for some hail and a tornado watch. Yeah. I was going to say it was because there were some ground funnels. Everyone was saying yeah. that it's because God hated the gays. <laughs> <laughs> so South Jordan, did you guys see that funnel cloud in South Jordan? That was We were wild. not here. We, we weren't here, but I saw pictures oh, of it. sorry. That's why I knew there were ground my, It was so my sister lives in South Jordan. She was taking pictures and posted them on our little family chat. Did it you was, see Josh and Carissa's yard? It looks like somebody mowed their yard and like blew the clippings into their driveway. It was, it was so trees. green. Because it's just the trees. trees. Oh, the tree. Yeah, the hail, like. Strip the leaves off the trees yep. and stuff. That so, was crazy. so we all sheltered in the parking garage and I had enough people that we wouldn't all fit in my car. And one person insisted on hanging out on my car and just took a nap on top of the car. <laughs> so that was cool, I guess. Um, they didn't let anybody in until almost five o'clock. Wow. That's late. So we lost like half the day, basically. At least you didn't get a bunch um, of shit stolen when they evacuated everyone. A lot of stuff broke, though. Ah, uh, that sucks. And unfortunately, it wasn't enough for an insurance claim, so I'm just going to have to buy a bunch of new stuff. Sorry about that. Um, so after the delays, so, though, so how So after the delays, uh, everyone starts kind of coming in. It was awesome. We went through a crap ton of business cards. Um, and about, you know, an hour later, we noticed that our next-door neighbors just never showed up. Someone paid $1,500 for a booth and then never came. It happens. Uh, so the next morning, they, they were the super nice, and they let us have their booth for free. Oh, that's cool. So we had tarot readings for the rest of the time. That's because they wanted the space filled. Uh-huh. It looks bad when you have open booths. At Especially something like Pride because it's so big. and Yeah. yeah. Well, but each of, those, each of the tarot readers pulled in about 500 in one day. So nice. That was awesome. Nice. They, really they were doing good. 20 bucks for a one card reading and 40 bucks for a three card. So cool. They like super up to the prices, but they were really good. Um, How was the parade? I wouldn't know. I didn't get to watch she, it. Well, no, I heard it. It was parady. But didn't it like come into the spot? Uh, it doesn't go into there. Did it go it around took, it? It took me an hour to get into the pride area to park because they closed off roads that they weren't supposed to. We had to beg a cop to move some barriers for us. Uh, but no, I haven't ever gotten to see one of those or the concerts or I've anything. I've been in the... Yeah, you were like five, six years ago. Oh, no, longer than I know Waller's was in the Pride Parade. I don't know. Times like uh, 15, when you 16 get old, years ago. It all blends together. It was pre-Chris. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, that was a while ago. Was PC. I, I do remember. I do remember when you were in it, though. Yeah, it was fun. I wore butterfly wings. That's cool. But it was fun. We went through three sets of batteries on the Duck of Destiny, our claw machine. The claw. That's uh, awesome. It got to the point where we had to just plug it into our, our outlet. I don't know why you didn't do that to begin so with. Much. Huh? Why didn't you just do that to begin with? What do you mean? We had it all time, the whole time? Plugged into the outlet, though. Oh. Because eh. <laughs> then we had one less outlet for us to use for our phones. But Priorities, Chris. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Twenty-something. were our cash registers. Yeah, yeah. So they had phone to be alive. Do you have a power bank? Those were dead too. We had to charge the power banks too. <laughs> oh, Lord. 
It was like that's busy. So you charge the power bank after transaction instead for like of your phone. Straight hours for every that single is phone. Wild, that's awesome, though. Yeah. That's really good. More power strips. You need more power strips. You are given one outlet for your two hundred dollars. Yeah, you need yeah. more power strips. We extended a power strip with another cable, but she I did. was the only one who brought a little charging block. She did, though. I so had to get everyone had to share it. You know that power block in my garage? Yeah. So that's Waterproof, heavy duty. How to get? But we only have one of the charging blocks that connects to your USB cords. Uh, you should. So we've got a we've got a a power station that's just a regular. All it is is USB plug and a whole bunch of like two point one. Yeah, I couldn't find a weatherproof outdoor one that had that, which turns out we needed. So maybe. maybe. (laughs) So anyway. So uh, you put some events on here. I did. Seeing as how they're all beer. It's all about beer. I don't have my glasses though, so someone else can. Uh, have to I'll read, read them. Sorry, so, I'm old. Uh, speaking about beer, uh, Pride always conflicts with uh, Utah's largest brew fest in Idaho Falls. Yeah. Oh. oh. Every year. Yeah. So it's always the first weekend and Saturday in June. So huh. since we're talking beer, yes, yeah. that's where I was. There you go. There you go. So we've got some beer events coming up. You can let us know if you're part of these. There's the Brewers Guild Wild West uh, this Saturday, next Saturday, this the Saturday, this Saturday, the yep. 10th. Uh, I don't know what days are. So then the week after that is the Slug Magazine uh, Brew Stillery Festival. We are part of that. Oh, so nice. Not, not a collaboration festival. That's a Father's Day weekend. That'd be a good one to go to, take your dad to. Yeah, there you go. Or just let your dad go there without you. That's that true. Preference, I think. <laughs> uh, good point. And then, uh, I mean, some dads probably like getting drunk with their kids, but I'm, I'm not guessing most do. <laughs> Uh, and then August 19th and the 20th is the Utah Beer Festival at the Granary. Granary Live. Yep. Yeah. And you got to part of that one too, yeah, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, we'll yeah. be through. That's the big one. Is that City Weekly's Beer Festival? It is. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, the big, nice that's way. the big that's one. That, that's the big one for Utah, not the Idaho, Utah one. The Idaho, Utah one's big. Yeah. Well, and that's the one where I, I, just about every brewer in the state goes up to that one, don't yeah. they? Yeah. It's, it's been going on for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's the one that, a lot of the Utah guys win up there, don't they? Yeah. Like most years. Yeah. They, they, Utah did pretty well this year. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Nice. So, and we'll get back to that, but I think we're going to take a break and yep. go on a little tour first. Is that yep. right? Yep. And then okay. we'll, we'll be back. All right. So we went on our tour and, uh, we're still here with Trent. He didn't kick us out yet. <laughs> so, so, and your last name is Farger. That's correct. See, I said it right. You took a job. It, up. it was like two seconds. It's because you didn't practice. That's true. Didn't know I'm it. really bad with saying names, even simple ones. Uh, what What is that name from? It's actually uh, from the Isle of Man. Oh, oh that's so cool. Yeah. There you go. I've never heard that last name, so it's kind of like Smith and Jones over there. Oh yeah. Huh? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Or Gates over here. Very so common. Yeah. Very common. That's what happens when you immigrate? It's exactly. I came through the gates. That's my name now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's exactly how my I got my last name. Uh, so. First question for you, Trent, has nothing to do with the beer or the business. It's uh, when were you born? Month and day. Not You don't have to do year unless you want. Yeah. August 5th. Wow. So November, baby. No, August. November's when They're the talking about your happens. conception. Oh, oh, I see. No, I was like, <laughs> that took me a second. I'm not that, so smart. I, don't, I never really counted it back, to tell you the truth. So were your parents big voters? <laughs> Oh, it's like there election you go. day, election day, baby. Could have been. Who knows? <laughs> Our guy won. All right, let's do it. All right. I know is my parents were in college, so that's all I know. Oh, so uh, they. Yeah. It could have been a late Halloween party. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> they just had the day off of school for election day. He probably got it out of the lab. 
I was probably formed in a petri dish somewhere. <laughs> I was. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. Uh, so where were you born? Where? Yeah. In Carbondale, Illinois. Oh, nice. Illinois. Yeah, Illinois, yeah. Southern. My dad was at uh, University of Southern Illinois working on his PhD. Oh, that's cool. What do, you, what do you end up getting his PhD in? Organic chemistry. Oh, wow, there you go. It's always cool. kind of making sense. Wait, and now you own now you own a, a beer company. Now you own a big giant well, organic the reason I chemistry own, business. The reason I have a beer company is because my mom gave me a kit for Christmas when I was in my twenties. <laughs> That's awesome. So did you grow up in Illinois, or did no? You? They moved uh, after he graduated. They moved back in with his parents for a while until he found a job, and that was in Michigan City, Indiana, where my sister was born, and then. We migrated to Toledo, Ohio, and I grew up in, basically grew up in Toledo. Wow. So how'd you end so up in Utah? Utah? <laughs> uh, so I went to Kent State University, uh-huh. and uh, from there I got a job in North Carolina and moved to a small town called Pinehurst. I don't know if you know where that is. The Pinehurst Sounds Mansion. Familiar. Yeah, Pinehurst uh, Golf Community Lydia, down there. Lydia Pinehurst. Yeah. Yep. I worked in, uh, I worked in a town called Hamlet. And I was about an hour south of Pinehurst. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing in Hamlet except a factory and a racetrack called Rockingham. And that was actually in the town of Rockingham. And that's they used to have the, the NASCAR races down there until they decided to dis- disband that track and not use it anymore. Anyway, long story short, I got transferred back to Ohio. Didn't like Ohio. Didn't want to really stay in Ohio. And uh, one of my fraternity brothers was here in Colorado. In, uh, here in Utah, but in Colorado at the time, and ran in, ha- happened to run into my sister and said, "Hey, what's your brother up to these days? We need an accountant for our business." And so I came out and started working in Colorado. And then uh, from there, uh, one of the guys left the company and moved to Utah, and he got married and said, "Hey, my place is for sale. Do you want it?" And that was in Park City uh, twenty three years ago, twenty twenty one years ago, and I said, "Sure." So I bought his house, and now I live in Park City in his house. Nice. No, nice. not your house. So were you? Well, home, it's my house. No. Were you home brewing like most of that time? Off? Yeah, well, I, I was. So um, in between that stint, while I was living in Colorado, I was home brewing and and uh, quite a bit through my twenties. And then uh, when I hit, uh, let's see, year two thousand. So that was be how many years ago? Y two K problem. I changed jobs from being an accountant to IT. And went and started working on all the all the bugs for the Y two K Y two K bug, yeah. So it ended up being nothing. Yeah, exactly. Well, because we fixed it all. I was just saying because people were prepared. Yeah, exactly. I remember, I remember that whole thing. The world's gonna end. Hey, I went to Vegas in twenty on the turn of twenty twenty because I thought if shit's gonna be bad, like this would be a fun place. You might as well be there, right? <laughs> it was the craziest experience I've ever had. Still, I watched a guy die. Ugh. So that was. Um. Yeah, like what happens in Vegas? <laughs> I mean, that guy stayed in Vegas. Sure, <laughs> sure did. Wow. He was like, so this was like, so they block off. Have you ever been to Vegas for New Year's? They block the strip off, um, and they're really strict about no glass on the strip. Like, that's the only thing cops really give a shit about on the strip, from what I could tell. Like the amount of open drug sales that were going on. Like I watched the cop stop dudes. These kids couldn't have been over sixteen backpack full of booze was in glass bottles and he was like you gotta throw it away right here and so the kid was just chugging it (laughs) like chugging vodka out of a glass bottle and his friends were laughing and the cop looks at his friends and he's like why don't you guys help him oh 
made him throw it away. Didn't give him a ticket for underage. Didn't give him a ticket for breaking curfew because they clearly were not 18. That's all I care about. However, like we were talking about during our tour, everything was in bottles back then. Cans really have not been as widely used as they have just the last few years. Yeah, I think uh, Turo just went to Cannes, so they were the last holdout of the craft brewers in Utah for glass. But yeah, I mean, it, we, the reason we started in glass is because one, y- you had to have a huge storage area for cans because, mm-hmm. I mean, at that point in time, you could only buy truckloads at a time. Right. And so if you have multiple brands, you have to have multiple truckloads because you can get shrink sleeves and nobody's putting pressure-sensitive labels on them. They're all printed. That's one of the reasons why it really changed when you could start to do blank cans and less than truckload quantities and be able to put stickers on them. Well, it made it a little bit easier too. you know, some of the changes too to be able to sell more of your stuff outside of the liquor stores, right? Well, I mean, I mean, we could always sell in glass bottles, so it didn't really matter. It was more from a storage perspective. Um, and even still, when we're bringing cans in here everybody still wants to sell you truckload quantities of blanks even of course yeah uh, which is difficult for you i mean a truckload is 26 pallets and so you think about 26 pallets of cans there's 8,169 8, 8, cans on a pallet 21 rows with 390 <laughs> if my math is right 390 cans a, a, a row so you know they're they're big big and bulky well, items to store. It's impossible to do a small batch with that many cans. That and it's, uh, I mean, it's a just, truckload is typically between 193,000 and 214,000 cans of 12 ounce. How so, much does one can cost? Well, it depends. Depends on how many you buy. If you're getting that big truck, truck Yeah, load. so uh, pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? Pre. <laughs> Pre-pandemic, they're around nine... Nine cents or so. Oh, I was going to say if you now. had too many, just recycle them. But that's how much we could. That's how much we could get them for. And then, yeah, and then uh, now they're running about ele- between ten, ten point nine and eleven were they, five. Were they really hard to get? Like around, I want to say it was like like mid twenty twenty. Oh, it's horrible. Like when things like, really, and they were super expensive. I mean, well, like when everything was shut down, everybody went to cans, and so our prices went from like. Nine, ten cents a can to twenty-five cents a can. Wow. Yeah, well, because I remember, like, we were just getting crushed. Even like going to the, even for like soda from like the major distributors like Coke and Pepsi, like you go in the store and the shelves were like devoid of certain products because they yeah. just couldn't, they couldn't produce. Well, like, yeah. like they didn't the, have enough cans. The Coke Zero and the Cherry Cokes and stuff like that. Nope, it was just Coke. It's a, Coke it's a Diet Coke. classic. Classic example of supply and demand. I mean, yeah. the pricing was r- really where the demand was. And we were scrapping around. I mean, we even took some of our cans that we had shrink sleeves on them and just wrapped labels on them. Because we were like, what else do we do? We, we can't get cans and we have all these extra like shorts and oddball stuff. And we're just like, our, yeah, yeah, 10th anniversary beer had, <laughs> had, a, had a fit light label on it. And a Blondale with a pressure sensitive label wrapped around the outside of it that's awesome okay so back to your story you're making beer in the bathtub you moved to salt lake then what <laughs> yeah so so anyway we were in colorado i think my, so i moved to colorado and started making beer there and then y2k comes around i i changed careers from basically doing public accounting to going into it and working on uh working on oracle database products and um I did a stint out in Boston for almost a year 
And then that led me to Venezuela. So I went to Venezuela. Wow. And then from Venezuela, I went to Europe and I lived in London for nearly a year. Um, and then from there, I went on a worldwide tour. I was in like 21 countries that year. I was in Australia and in Hong Kong and, and Tokyo, and so Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, it was all over. It was really, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, needs to say, I wasn't homebrewing at that time. <laughs> I was actually spending a lot of time in the in the cool local pubs in England. So you were in a spot long enough to homebrew. <laughs> yeah. So it was really cool because we would go out to the local pubs, you know, like something called like the Cock and Bowl, uh-huh. and they would be pouring cast beer out of the basement, and it was it was a lot of fun because it was just like basically brewing here in the U.S. and but they've been doing it forever over there, right? And it's just pulled out of the basement as warm beer or cellar temperature beer, mm-hmm. you know, half carbonated, dark, usually dark stuff. But they had some, you know, ambers and other things in there. But it was cool to, to try all the different things over there. I mean, besides just Guinness, because Guinness is everywhere. Right. At the time. And then Stella was the other one that was really popular over there at the time. And that was, t- you know, 20, 2001, maybe. Two thousand two thousand one. It got popular over here like 15 years later. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah, it was like... It was probably like 2015, 2016 before Stella really yeah, started seeing that commercial. Got popular. So anyway, I, I ended up uh, I ended up getting uh, a job in Denver. Worked there for about a year, and then from there, I got a I got a I changed jobs. Actually, somebody came and poached me, and I went to a smaller consulting company. Spent some time in Cleveland, Ohio, which was yeah, it was okay, but led me to uh, to California. And that's where I met my wife in San Francisco. And, um, and then was living out and working out of her office in Pleasanton. And she was working not very far from me at the time. So we'd get together for lunch and stuff like that every day and picnic. And it was kind of fun. Um, and then 2008 rolls around and <laughs> the downturn happens in uh-huh. IT. And I said, well, I've got plenty of money and I've got a house in Utah that I haven't been to in a while. And it's ski season, so I'm out of here. <laughs> if you want to come, you're more than welcome. If not, then you stay there, and I'll come and see you after ski season's over. <laughs> and so I came back here, and then she decided she wanted to come. So she came out, and, and that's where we have been since. So how how did you decide? I mean, you you've done a lot of things, you know, accounting, a lot of IT stuff, software development. How did you make the decision that, we're going to open this place. My wife did. <laughs> <laughs> so during during uh, uh, 2008, I had a team of people that worked for me, um, and they gave me the directives from above to start laying people off. And so I started laying those people off and told her, I said, the headcount is getting closer to my and I said, I'm going to get laid off. They're going to make me lay everybody off. And then the next thing, I'm going to get laid off. And that's exactly what happened. So I said, well, I don't know if I really want to go back in IT, you know, because I'm traveling a lot. And she's there and we're married and I never see her anymore. And I go, it's not fair to her. It's not not really fair to our relationship. So um, she said, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, why don't you start a brewery? You love brewing. I'm like, what? I don't know anything about commercial brewing. She was just 
follow the paperwork and see what happens. <laughs> so this is, I mean, this is, you know, there's 300 breweries in the country at the time. That was a real life example of just Google that shit. <laughs> it's just proof Google, that women... Google barely did work then. Yeah, it's a uh, proof that women are smarter than men. I was going to say, like, 2008, like, Google was around, but, but like, 2008... But it was... It was Ask Jeeves. Yeah, Google was still... The paperclip <laughs> guy was still telling you in the corner, you know, what and, to do. In 2008, like, Google was still trying to win in the browser space because that was, like... When was the I think iPhone? it was. I was, still, using, I, think, I was using Yahoo yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say I think Yahoo was the main and, search engine. Yahoo and MSN, like those were the. So this is the deal, right? This is how old. You, know, you don't really think about technology changing. It doesn't seem like 2008 doesn't seem that long ago, but in technology, it's it's light years. Oh yeah, there was no online like filing with the government. This was FedEx and mm-hmm. papers, like handwritten and typed papers, but going back and forth to the federal government. Registration. So my stack of papers going back and forth to the government was uh, probably 200 pages well, you of had to documents. Wait, like weeks, probably. Was two weeks. Cents. Yeah, it was months. It took me nearly a year to get the license. 2007, when I started my company, it was all filling out papers mm-hmm. and mailing them in. Yeah. Was, yeah. I just told my accountant to do mine. He did it for me. I got my business license in 10 minutes yeah. on the internet. <laughs> it's like ridiculously easy now. It took like yeah. six months to get my business license. Yeah, now it's down to like four weeks to get yeah. a brewer's now license. Now you just wait though. for a week for it to the paper one to come in the mail. Yeah. So ultimately going back and forth and, uh, and the paperwork comes back stamped approved and I'm like... Oh, oh God, Alex, what do we do now? We're commercial brewers. <laughs> I don't know anything about commercial brewing. <laughs> She goes, well, we better go find a building and start working. And so we found a building. And by that time, I had found another job. And so I was still – actually, the company laid me off, hired me back once everything oh. turned around and gave me a nice a nice bump in pay. So, um, so I have I, to. That's, that's the downside of laying people off. I know. You have to ha- you pay them more back, to get you back. Gotta you got to pay them more. Rate. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, I went back to work and on the weekends and after hours, we found a small space, um, in Park City on the corner of Woodbine and Munchkin Road, <laughs> which described the brewery was a Munchkin brewery for sure. <laughs> the brewery was probably no bigger than this room that we're sitting in, about 500 square feet. In fact, when we got approved by the state and we had to have our final inspection by the city, the entire fire department shows up for the inspection. <laughs> And I opened the door. I had a garage, I had a big roll up garage door and a man door. I opened up the garage door and they're like, we're here to do your inspection. And I'm like, all of you? <laughs> What'd you do? Bring the entire That's state weird. with you? And I said, I only think three of you will fit in here. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I said, I think you're going to have to take turns coming in. <laughs> they, they were so excited and so disappointed when they saw what was going on. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. They're like, oh, this, we're going to check a brewery out. They're going to have beer. And no. No, it was just like a little homebrew system basically on wheels that I had set up in there to get like <laughs> passed and didn't know what I was doing. And so I'm like, okay. And the first city weekly beer festival was my first time serving commercial beer to people. Nice. Yeah. That was, gosh, I remember. Nice. I, I, I take that back. It was the second time. The first one was up in Idaho. Because that was earlier in the year. But that was the first City Weekly festival that they'd ever done. And that was in, uh, at the courthouse, or not the courthouse, but across the street from the courthouse yeah. at the city. Yeah, library square. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and it, I, re- I remember that. Like they did not, they didn't have any. We, we talked to the City Weekly guys about it actually, uh, on the sh- years ago on the show. Uh, and they didn't, like they thought it was going to be, you know, decent, but they weren't sure it was going to be super successful. Yeah. And I remember, like, how insane 
that first beer festival was. Like they 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 just couldn't manage it. Like, well, that's the was, that state cracked down on them pretty fast after yeah, that. Yeah. Ultimately, we didn't know either, and I'm literally brewing on a, like a you know a half barrel system trying to put as much beer out as possible. I took a bunch of six barrels with me thinking I had enough, and I was out in like maybe 15, 20 oh, minutes, yeah. and yeah. I was like tapped. It was it was insane, and I'm like, sorry, I'm going home. What? People were upset, and I'm like. When was that? Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. 2007, 2008. Lick the bottom of the barrel. That was uh, 2000. That had to be 2010. 2010. I remember. After two thousand eight, it was it was kind of like Comic Con. Like people had no idea how big it was going. to Oh, be. it was insane! And I was like, I mean, I showed up thinking, oh, I got plenty of beer. I had twelve half barrels. I went through like twelve half barrels in like thirty minutes. <laughs> it was it was it was it was crazy. I think it's just because there hadn't been anything like that, and people really wanted something like that. Yeah, and so to actually have it, it was like what? And yeah, it was like I couldn't. It was I was yeah. I've never seen anything like that before. I don't think. Any of our brewers really had like even the even the big ones. I don't think and there wasn't very many of us at the time either. Yeah. I mean, there was only like I mean five or six of us. Oh, yeah. had like squatters. Now and there's Wasatch. like three hundred. Yeah. Did you start that, that out as shades? Just, we started out. So the company is Shades of Pale, right? Yeah, and we ended up adopting and dropping the of Pale, and for two reasons: one, it's too long on the label. Uh, the label didn't have enough real estate, and two, uh, people are just calling us Shades. Three. Um, everybody thought we only made pale ales. <laughs> uh, welcome to Gen Z, by the way, for everyone just calling you shades. That's a very Gen Z thing. They like to just shorten everything. Short. Yeah. Well, anyway, it ended up working. And beans it's, and bruises, just beans. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're in the process of kind of going through a, a brand re-identification. We went from like having a lot of artwork on our labels to having very plain labels. And now we're moving back towards, kind of a different theme so to speak and part of it is is my wife's paintings are all around the brewery i love the we ones talking behind about you yeah. those are really and cool there's one out especially in the tap room that's above the door here when you walk in is a steampunk image oh yeah i saw those the ones that are hanging right here yeah i like those and so um she's she's like we went to see mad max like years ago at the theater, and she comes out of there, and it was like the, the, the last Mad Max where the guys. Were like, I was going to say the quote-unquote new one that's not really new anymore. That one, yes, yeah, I saw that in theaters. The too. most recent, the one? most recent, recent one, yeah. So she comes out of that movie, and she's like, "That was so cool. <laughs> I was love like, that." It was like ten words in the whole damn movie. Yeah, exactly. There was no <laughs> acting. It was just Curtis like pure so chaos and the mayhem, drums and the fire. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the guy playing a guitar on the front of the semi <laughs> shooting flames. It's like a live version of heavy metal. More or less. Anyway, she comes out of that movie and uh, loves it and painted that steampunk thing. And not after the movie, but years later. And I don't know how many people have come into the brewery and said, I want to buy that painting. And she's like, well, if you're going to give me a lot of money, then maybe it's for sale. But if you're not going to, don't even think about it. She's just start making prints of it. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm on the canning line and taking the cans off the trays of the canning line and you got a lot of time to think when you're packaging <laughs> that much beer. And I come out of there and I'm like, what if we go with the steampunk thing? I go, our equipment is kind of steampunk. We use steam to brew. You know, we kind of got the some of the yeah. crazy looking equipment that is kind of steampunkish with wires and gauges and, you know, stuff like that. He goes, 
I like it. So we have our first label out that's steampunk-ish. Did she do the artwork for it? She did the artwork that is so for cool. it. And it's on the shelf. It's our Belgian triple label that we just released a couple weeks ago. I think I ago. saw it in, the, in there, yeah. And so we've gone with a the theme where we have a three-panel design where each panel is going to be something a little slightly different, but all kind of towards that. It's like Japanese anime, anime style with the... The, the funky angles and stuff like that. Well, it's not quite funky angles, but it's like three, Im- it's going to be three separate images, like divided by like lines. And then we have a watermark that we've developed our old designer before he retired from designing and went to a different line of business, helped us design, which is kind of cool. It looks like a teardrop or a water drop. And in that water droplet, it has the spiral jetty. It has an S and a B for shades brewing. Uh-huh. And it has um, the mountains for Utah. Oh, nice! That's cool. So it's all in the in the in the in the teardrop itself, and the water droplet. And of course, it's water because the water droplet because of, of beer and water. Right. So, so we had talked about like what what we hold dear to our hearts in terms of um, Utah, and it really comes down to snow. You know, without snow, Utah doesn't exist. Right, and. Over the last 10 years of drought, obviously not this year, <laughs> we had awesome snow, which it was, yeah, it was, and unfortunately I get, didn't get to enjoy most of it because I was laid up injured. Uh-oh. But, uh, ultimately, because of the lack of water, and if we do get back into those cycles where we don't have that water, it's going to be really difficult for people to exist in Utah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, Anywhere in the Southwest. And so we want to adopt a, kind of a water theme to reflect that in our values as a company. That's, That's awesome. awesome. So what were, what were some of the first um, lines that you put out? So some of the first beers that you put out? Yeah. So the very first beer we put out was a wheat beer, American-style wheat beer, the Jack Wagon Wheat. And we just discontinued that probably – I don't know, maybe six, eight months ago. We sold our last ones. The wheats are some of my favorite. Yeah, it was an American-style wheat, and they just didn't, you know, over time, everybody's like, IPA, IPA, I, yeah. they just don't. So it, we had a really hard time pushing it. So. I guess that just shows how old I am. Yeah, well, I mean, t- <laughs> I tastes change over time. It's true. Like we were, yeah. we were even just talking about it. I actually think now the, like, in-your-face, like, quadruple hop, like, you know, blow you over IPAs are starting to fall out of favor. Oh, there definitely are. Everybody's circling around back to light lagers and light beers again. So that may beer may surface again. Uh, if it surfaces though, I want to do a Bavarian style instead of a, instead of an American style. A Bavarian wheat. That's yeah. one of my all time favorites. Uh, so, uh, so that was one of the first beers. We had a pale ale as well. Uh, Every, everybody had to pay a while back then. IPAs didn't exist. Yeah. Well, I think if you're, I think if you're a, a brewery period, like that's just such a, quintessential beer to do from a, a brewer's perspective. Yeah, yeah but the problem is now is that if you put a pale ale out there, nobody will buy it because all they want is IPA. So it's like what we did IPA have it. For, so India pale ale. Indian so, pale ale. Indian pale ale. So, so back in the late 1800s uh, when Britain was in India and they were brewing beer in India, the style that they brewed became the standard known as IPA. That's kind of where it originates from. Well, sort of. Actually, how it works is that they were brewing beer in England, and they're sending them to the troops in, in, in India. India. Okay. And what the brewers found was is that they packed the casks, the wooden casks full of hops, that it would act as a preservative for the beer. So the beer would show up and, and, and be old and stale. 
uh, which it does because it prevents it from souring if certain types of bacteria it, that the wood would potentially harbor. And the troops adopted the uh, taste, for, the bitterness for it. When they got back to England, they missed that. Uh, that bitterness because everything tasted bland to them because <laughs> they had all this bitterness in the beer. And they actually called it something to the fact of not an India pale ale. We've kind of done that, but it was like a, a pale India beer is basically what it was. And we've kind of adopted it as IPA now as, as an American style. But um, that's kind of how it originated. It was actually sending uh, sending the beer to the troops so to service the troops. The people that love those super hoppy IPAs, you're basically drinking hard tech. Essentially, more or less, more or less. <laughs> but if you've never had hard tech, I'll get you some. It's oh, don't eat stuff. that. So that became the standard. Yeah, that became the standard, and then there were some brewers that kind of did that style, and then it got really crazy back in you know the <gasps> mid two thousands, where it was like hundred IBU in your face. I can't drink any more bitter beer than this. Quadruple IBU. Yeah, it was like totally stupid. And then I don't know how people would drink that. Yes, it, it doesn't it's, knock it, you on your ass. Let me put it this way: it's an acquired taste. I don't get that. Like I like I've tried beer a million times, and each time I'm like, yeah, it tastes like beer, and I don't like that so like i don't i don't i don't get the i don't get that thing where people are like oh i smoke and oh well don't you cough yeah but you get used to it okay i feel like if you like something then you like it but if you taste it and it's it's gross like like, why would you keep drinking it i kind of equate it to you build up to it i kind of equate it to like peppers uh, like hot peppers you start with something that's like not hot and then it starts to taste kind of normal and then you okay. add a little bit more heat to it and you're like, Oh, that's hot. Like a jalapeno. You know, I thought jalapenos were really hot at one point and now they're like one of the most mild peppers you could eat. And then you move up to a serrano and then you move up to a habanero and now you're up into the Carolina Reaper so and the ghost the peppers, ghost peppers and, and you stuff okay, like that. Okay. That, that's the first time anybody's explained why you would like acquire a taste or something that you don't yeah, like. You start yeah. drinking Bud Light when you're a kid <laughs> <laughs> or Natty Lighter Paps because you cheat. My grandpa drink, drink, drink Paps. And, and then as, as, that starts to taste like water. And so then like you crack an ice cold paps when you just want to like chug a water bottle basically. But if you want flavor, then you got to go up to that next step. (laughs) And eventually you get to IPAs, but I'm telling you that was an acquired taste. That was a bunch of hipsters. (laughs) That was a bunch of hipsters going, well, this is what's cool. So I'm going to force myself to drink it and I'm going to say I like it, but there's a reason but I have six million damn IPAs that always got left at my house for parties. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Of beer and leave five of them. That means the beer wasn't tasty. But man, they were, they were rocking that. IPA. But when they walked through the door, they sure thought they looked cool. I, I can remember in the day when I thought Sierra Nevada Pale Ale was super bitter, and I was like, I "Ooh, this is really yeah, that's bitter." A good, that's a good beer, though. Yeah, I mean. You've acquired that taste for it. Like when I first tried it, I was like, wow, this is way different, really bitter. I will say, like, I I love a good, like, nutty brown or red beer way more than a pale like like an Indian pale ale. See, and I I used to think Guinness was horrible. I love Guinness. But over time, I was like, no, I actually really like this. And I, now I really enjoy Guinness. But it's that whole you evolve, your your tastes change. It's also like with dark. With dark beers in particular, I think I need to be, it just depends on like the mood that I'm in. Like, you know, that's not a beer that I'm just going to throw back on a boat, you know? It's not, it's not like a game day beer when it's hot outside either. Well, I can tell you an example. So in the 20s, I'm sitting, sitting at dinner with my dad, 20, I'm 21, 22, sitting at dinner and my dad orders a, a single malt scotch. 
and sets it on the table. And he's like, I, what, what makes, cause he's always talking about single, how good single malt scotches <laughs> are. And I'm like, what makes this taste so good? Like, what's so special? He's like, here, try. <laughs> I took a sip of this thing. So, yeah, scotch guy over here. Yeah, yeah. I took a sip of this thing and thought it tastes like furge polish remover. I was like, it smells like it too. I, I was like, how can you drink this? This is horrible. And he said so to me, he goes, he said to me, he, goes, he looks at me straight face and he goes, just you wait. He goes, you will like scotch one day. Are you, are you there? And I have been there for oh, yeah. a long time. And depending on it, you cut it with a little bit of water, maybe a little bit of ice, maybe straight. It just depends on what it well, is. Well, what happens is, is with the spirits is if you put any type of water in it, it brings out the aromatics and the flavor. So you just, you don't overwater it down. No, but no, you no. bring it, you, you put it, you know, a half an ounce Splash. in there. So, and it really brings out the, no, the like flavor a of it. Of water or yeah. a cube of ice. Or ice. Like, let it melt just a little like bit. Exactly. Yeah. There's so many aromatics. I am 100% with you. And our next foray into spirits. Oh, there you go. Okay. So that's where you'll sell me. We, uh, have done some already. Uh, so you the, have a distillery license? We haven't not pulled the license. We've partnered. Oh, and so we've taken our beer. Um, we actually have barrels aging now that have been in for 18 and 24 months. Um, our first one we released in 2020, and that was our Belgian Blondale, uh, that we had, uh, made a miscalculation on the ABV on. <laughs> and so, uh, it was higher than we, we expected to come out to a point where it was like kind of like too high to put it in cans and, and sell it. So we, we partnered with Water Pocket Distilling. Water Pocket. We love those guys. And we released, and we called it Aphrodite's Kiss, our Aphrodite Blondale. So we, Aphrodite's Kiss. It was a 96 proof, uh, hopped whiskey. Um, I still have just a hair of it at home left. <laughs> really? 96 proof? Yeah, 96 proof. Uh, it turned out really, really nice. Um, you could taste the Belgian yeast in the whiskey. It was really interesting and got us really like, oh, oh what can we do with the rest of our kind of stuff? So long story short, we sold those bottles and the proceeds went to feed, uh, the, the Utah food bank. Oh, that's awesome. So we donated about $1,500 in profits back to the Utah food bank, uh, during 2020 when people were really struggling. Yeah. So, okay. I am not a fan of sours and like sales, but I think we drank four different sours out there and they were with the exception of the lemonade one. Uh, they were all really good. Yeah, lemonade's a little tart. Yeah, the lemonade's quite a, quite a tart. Why thing. is it spicy? Why is it spicy? <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of like sales ends or, or, or sours for the most part, but to me, those didn't have the same sort of taste. When you talk about like beers tasting, maybe not just like beers, like those were very, a lot of those were very close to ciders. They were very smooth. The, yeah, the, they're the one they, that I tried, the orange one. Yeah, they're. They're, they're kettle sours, which we have a little bit more control over it over something that's, you know, naturally souring like Brennomyces or, or Pediococcus lactobacillus. Um, so what we've tried to do, I think over time is create almost like a food type product, you know, versus a, a beer, so to speak, you know, where we've got a peach cobbler and a pina colada. We've mimicked some of those things, but we also have Indian masala and we have, a, a, you know, spicy Bloody Mary really and, good. you know, we've done, um, other pies like, you know, like blueberry and we, we've done some peanut butter beers. Don't do banana bread. Uh, we did a banana, we did a banana, uh, a banana pie. 
Banana I've, cream pie. I've tried banana beers. I don't think they worked out so well. Yeah, some people you either like it or hate it. It wasn't one of our it wasn't one of our better ones. Some people really liked it, and some people were like, eh, I'm not really into it. The flavor of the throat spray that they use when you have an endoscope is banana. <laughs> and so whenever I am around anything that's banana, you're like, like gag reaction. I'm like, oh, that's that does that doesn't smell right. That's wrong. So I do have to say, when I'm in the mood for for a sour, which isn't all that often, but in the summertime, I like one. Shades, I'm not just saying that because we're here. Your sours are my favorite. Yeah, we, we've done pretty well in the, in the, in the, in the judging, you know, with, with our sour beers. And, uh, and we try to do a different release. We're, we're trying to mix up our releases a little bit more now where we have, you know, sour beers and then traditional beers. So we're kind of, you know, what we don't want to do is we don't want to be just like a one trick pony. Right. I mean, every brewer wants to make great beer no matter what they make. And so we are kind of, going down that path where we're like, okay, how can we, we can win medal. We know we can win medals and sours at the highest level. We've done it, right? We've done it all the way at the world beer cup level. And now how can we win medals for traditional beers at those highest levels? And I think that's kind of our next focus while keeping the same quality that we do and the same innovativeness that we do on our sour beers. That, that's kind of where my headset, my, my mindset is right now. And there is, a number of breweries out there that kind of do that really well. Mm. Um, no matter what they make, they're always making a fine beer. And I want to kind of try to be that way. So I mean, what's the diff- Is Are Belgians the difficult ones to... Every beer is difficult. <laughs> oh. Is there one that's like your goal? I guess I should ask. No, I, like- I don't know that we have really one. We, you know, we, we, it's when I, when I say traditional beer, it's going to be a non, a non-soured right. beer. It will be something made with the hops, barley, and water yeast, not necessarily a souring agent in it. Gotcha. So what's your favorite beer that you've ever made? What's the favorite beer I like to make? Or that you've ever made, yeah. Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know that I have a favorite. I can tell you the ones that I drink the most of. Sure. It's probably lager beers. Um, you know, just kind of basic stuff. I don't drink a whole lot of our sours to tell you the truth. Yeah, well you gotta be in the mood for a sour. Yeah. In I my mean, opinion. If if you look in my fridge, I got a lot of sours in there. Probably the one that I like the most right now is our pickled pineapple jalapeno. It's it's really interesting and it goes well with food. Um pineapple jalapeno is a really good combo. So there's an energy drink, I don't remember what the name of them are, but they're my favorite. They're in smaller cans. But they have a pineapple jalapeno flavor that's just out of this world. It's yeah, this, a combo. this got a little bit of heat in it, but it's not overly overly spicy. But it's got a little bit of heat, so it goes well with you know well with food. You know, uh, lagers uh, are just your overall. I've mowed the lawn. Yeah, lagers are. I've yeah, my Mexican lager. Like that's just a like lager. that's like a can take any time. It's nice. It's easy. It's, it's smooth. Exactly. Um, I do like our Belgian triple quite a bit, even though we don't win any medals with it. <laughs> <laughs> but the goal is to get there, right? The goal is to get there. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a nice beer. It's a big beer, but it's a nice beer to drink. It's not overly powerful, but I, I do like the, Bel- the Belgian yeast kind of flavors for some reason. I don't know why. It just appeals I, to me. I agree. I really like the Belgian stuff. Where, where do you put your medals? Uh, well, we have some of them when we walk in. Okay. Um, the other ones are sitting in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> uh, we haven't had enough uh, space to really hang them. Um, or 
I mean, when I, we have wall space, plenty of wall space, but it's like when I say space, like to display them properly. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is a factory. It's not really a. It's not. I mean, you have the tap house. Yeah. Once we get the tap room up and operating, like a legitimate tap room up and operating, then we can throw them up and be like, I mean, like nice, you know, Decor- actual decoration. Yeah, exactly. We had them. We had them up above our cooler at one point in a glass case, and of course, because it's a factory. Bang, clunk, clunk. Right. now it's glass is shattered and the metals went everywhere. So we're just like, well, maybe we just hold on to them. For so future. to go back in your history just a little bit, when did you move from Park City down here? Sure. So we were trying to figure that out. I, I just remember the time of year it was. It was in the spring. I think it was in May. It was still snow. It was still it, the last day we bottled it. We were snowed on in the parking lot. I remember that, and I'm like, I'll be so glad when we get out of here. That was the last bottling day, and it was like dumping snow in Park City on me. Some uh, other place you had to bottle in the parking. Yeah, lot. Yeah, we bottled in the parking lot. I mean, we didn't have we didn't have. I mean, we pulled the bottler in. It was on wheels. We pull it out and bottle in the parking lot with some tables. The forklift would barely fit in there. I mean, it was we had like. Seven barrel brew house with, you know, like seven tanks in there. It was ridiculous. I was, I was pushing like twelve to fourteen hundred barrels a year out of a seven barrel tank. (laughs) It was looks like mayhem. Um, So it was in the spring, and I think it was, I think it was in twenty, twenty fifteen. I think my wife argues with me. She says it was twenty sixteen, but I think it was twenty fifteen when we moved down here. I don't know. I think she's right. And what drove what drove the decision to to put a tap room in? Here, yeah. So when we moved down here, we moved down into South Salt Lake with the with the expectation that we would be able to put a tap room in and not have a problem with it. And when we went to apply with the city, the city's like, "Oh no, we don't have any licenses available for you because they got the quota problem, like the rest of the state." Uh-huh. And I said, "Well, when was the last time you like had a license available?" And she's like, "That was like twenty five years ago." Huh. So I was like, "Okay, so what do we do?" Because we need this. This is a marketing tool for us. It's not just putting beer on the shelves. We need yeah. to have that, you know, aspect of it, just like everybody else does. Anyway, so we. Long story short, we worked with the city council and um, worked with the city attorney. And over time, in about a year or so, we were able to change the laws down here to allow us to get a taproom license that was attached, get a, a liquor license that was attached to a functioning production brewery, and they allowed two of them in the city. And so we got the first one and we were done. We're like, sweet, we got it. You know, the council, it took some persuasion, but the council eventually saw that we didn't, we weren't going to do any harm and we weren't creating a drunk factory. And it wasn't a bar. You know, we're closed at like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Anyone that, anyone that's ever come down here, it's not like, even when it's busy, it's not like a bar. Yeah. It's not like crazy busy. It's not like downtown. Yeah. So, and so salt fire got the second one. And then Level Crossing wanted to come in, and the distilleries wanted to come in. And so there was only two licenses. So they then further worked with Johnny McConnell, who was on the board at the time, good friend of the brewery, a great person. He's now retired and, and uh, lives outside the state of Utah. Uh, and he, as his kind of final legacy, said, I want to change the laws. He was a big beer person. I want to change the laws and make South Salt Lake really into a beer town. So he was. He worked with with uh, with uh, Level Crossing to be able to make those changes, and successfully they were able to come in. And now we have the distilleries here, and we have Grid City, and so on and so forth. And the city is now starting to revert those laws again. Ugh. So, so uh, two step forwards, like, one yeah. step back. Well, it's just disappointing because you know South Salt Lake was quickly becoming a really good spot for brewers and, and distillers, it was and it's turning. Like, 
around some areas that just were to, in disuse. Like our area? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Lisa's building area. was like w- way bad yeah. when we came down here. The needles, the yeah. condoms, the drug paraphernalia. So it was unreal. What did this building used to be? This used to be high-grade meats. That's what so I thought. They made hot, basically hot dogs and other cured it's meats in here. It's very clear if you walk around, this used to be a meat point. Yeah. yeah when I came down here, I was like, you know, we were small and 500 square feet. I walked through this building and I was thought I was in the promised land. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, they got floor drains and they got, <laughs> you know, they got cooler space. More than one door. Got, yeah. They got all this, <laughs> and, well, he had a garage door and a man well, door, Jeremy. Yeah. That's true. And then now I'm like kind of, you know, banging myself against the wall, banging myself against the head. It's like, oh, I hate all these like small compartmentalized rooms. So it's hard to get, you know, product through the doors because the doors are so small. You know, you can't get full height pallets in. I had to cut a hole in the building to get our canning line in. You know, so <laughs> we had to cut a hole in the wall to get the, the production brewery in. And you did have some problems with your power there for a while. Yeah, power <laughs> problems. I'm mean, like, there's lots of things that this building wasn't. It was great probably for a, a meat processing facility. In the 50s. And, and Yeah. Well, this was added on actually in the 90s. Uh, the front of the building that's no longer there was in the 40s. <laughs> you should have seen that building. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so I thought it was great. And now I'm like, uh, I wish I had more open space. So are you looking to upgrade? What's, what's in your future? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're in the process of, of, uh, moving. So I mean, you've done, I our mean, lease con- is up, our lease is up in October. So considering we're, what we're, you have, you've done a lot of really good things with this building. Yeah. I, I mean, for, for, for what it is, we're, we've been able to do some good things. We're just to the point now where to take the business to the next level, we need, a better functioning space, right? A more more efficient space. We we pick things up and move things too many times. So, you, have you found another place? Are you in the process of? We have uh, found another place, and we're going to make a public announcement here probably in the next couple of days. Nice. Oh, nice. Awesome. Just do it now. We'll we'll yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we just we haven't officially announced it yet. So we've yeah. Yeah, keep us posted when you do. We'll yeah. definitely throw it out there. You got to sign contracts before you can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a big deal. Yeah, it's got to be official before it can be official. It's, it's not only have to be official; you have to make sure you can, can, can make sure that it, it happens with all the parties involved. Yeah, cities, everything, just yeah, everything yeah, involved. Exactly. Closings get moved and moved and moved and moved. And there's construction and other things, but always. ultimately there'll be a big banner up once once we. Awesome. Have the, have the space. Uh, um, I've always been curious. We, you know, we've talked to a lot of breweries over the years. I think we've visited all of them. I don't think we've had any of the. We've had I don't some, think we've visited all of them. Well, no, no. But I mean, we've had some distillers that have come into the studio. But for breweries, we almost always go out to the brewery yeah. to talk with folks on site. And one thing that I've never asked anyone is, you know, and probably because most of them, like, once they get their space in, in place, they're not adding a bunch of stuff. Like, Bohemian's got that huge brew house with, with all those giant lager tanks and stuff. But, you know, you guys, we were talking about it because we were here before the pandemic doing a soap class with, with Olio, and a lot has changed. I mean, you guys have brought in a ton of new tanks um, where your tap room and your bar used to be and moved the bar where some other stuff was and grew your patio. I'm curious, like, when you bring in new equipment like that, you know, in particular, like the, the tanks, like what are the, are there steps that you have to go through with, with that stuff in terms of legality? 
uh, because of how tightly controlled some of this stuff is, or you just get to bring in whatever equipment you want. We used to be that you had to you had to fill out paperwork with the federal government when you change, you know the capacity. Yeah, capacity and things like that. That's now since changed. Um, so we don't have to necessarily inform them any, anytime we want to make a change to, and for good reason. I mean, you, you, I mean, it's very difficult to like, Oh, I want to bring in a tank. Oh, I got to fill out like 10 pages of paperwork to I'm be able sure to bring a tank in. You know, oh, I want to sell a tank. I've got to fill out paperwork to like, you know, so that, you know, that it, we're now able to move at the pace of business instead of being handcuffed because of rules and regulation. Um, you know, when we move, and we move areas, we have to do paperwork and we have to get approvals and things like that back from the, from the TTB as, so we'll have to file new notices and, you know, new, other things that there's a lot of red tape when it comes to moving, but to actually upgrade and change and things like that, it's not too bad within the same premise. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I was, I was kind of wondered like, you know, when you, you want to grow your business, <laughs> like how hard, how hard is that for sure? It, it's not easy in Utah for sure. The, yeah. the state, you know, just through the way the way the state works with regards to, you know, high point beer, low point beer, which is the craziest thing ever. I mean, beer is beer. There's like no I mean, any other state you go to, it's beer is beer. It doesn't matter what alcohol content. Now, some states do have a cap in terms of how much alcohol you can put in a beer. Uh, other states have, uh, uh, like maybe an over the counter service where you can't serve it in such a big glass or whatever. There's some small restrictions there or whatnot. But ultimately this whole two, like dual system where you have grocery store and you have high point and so on and so forth. It's just, it's ludicrous. And, and what we're seeing, um, in the state, at the state level, because of this, is that it's holding back the local brewers from growing, in my opinion. And part of it is, and we're seeing that kind of twofold. Part of it is, is that you have a very difficult time getting beer into a liquor store because there's no more room right. on the shelves. And you have big companies from outside the state that have bigger budgets than we do as local brewers that can go and out market you. Well, and, and in state, in the liquor stores, they don't have refrigeration units for beer. And some stores are starting to they're add starting, that now. They, yeah, they just started to add that. Yeah, which is, thank God, they're starting to do that. Um, but you're right. Most of them are warm. Um, grocery store sets are drawn by the big distributors. They're not drawn by independent parties. And so what's happening is, and, you know, you, and you know this from being in, you know, the industry here. With the podcast is that there's a lot, been lots of acquisitions of small craft breweries mm-hmm. uh, by the majors and large regionals right. now are being gobbled up as well by the large uh, manufacturers. And so what we're starting to see is the local craft market shrink and the regionals basically macro brands taking, putting all their quote unquote craft brands that they own and squeezing everybody out. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the grocery store and you look at say 2019, uh, 2020, 2021, you had a large local presence. Right. Now your local presence is down to a shelf space that's maybe three by four, mm-hmm. um, except for Squatters Wasatch and Uinta, who are now owned by I was going to say who are not local. Right. Owned and so the small guys are really getting squeezed out in terms of um, being able to distribute product on a wide scale to the local population, which is understandable because you know billion dollar companies don't want you know 
people encroaching on their billion dollar profit lines. Right. Uh, so I totally understand where they're coming from, but it makes it very difficult because of where we're playing. We're not playing on an even playing field. And the market is really starting to change from a standpoint of distribution in the grocery stores to more what they're calling hyper-local, where you're, you have a brew pub or a tap room, and you have your customers that come in and really support what you're doing right. locally and buy your product locally, and you're reaching that radius of 10, 12, 20 miles mm-hmm. radius, and that's where you're going to sell your products. You're not going to sell your products you know, across state lines. Well, limit your growth so, so quite on. a bit, too, when you do that. I mean, then you're kind of stuck at, like, you get to a certain threshold, and that's just where you're at. You're yeah, and that's, and that's what we're seeing. And, and you know, the, the, the smaller crop brewers like us in the state of Utah, you know, I, I can't speak for them because I don't know where they're at, but I can, I can probably guess that they're all struggling. Um, well, just kind of like we, we are, they just haven't got to the point where they're like, okay, we're going to shut the doors and, and, and shut it down. They're ma- they're figuring out how to make it, but they're definitely not. Right. Well, they're, they're just not, making they're it. They're not he- healthy companies. When that law actually changed from the 3.2 in the grocery stores to allowing a different amount, I mean, I remember when we went through the whole thing. Up to that point, you know, the 3.2 restriction actually I think was a big part of what grew the craft brew scene in Salt Lake. No doubt about it. It it was a it kept the competition out. Yeah, yeah, well and it kept and it kept creativity because trying to brew something at that level is incredibly difficult. Well and the big boys, I mean you had the main you had your cores and different things like that that are like fine, we'll do it. But most of the others are like, we're not going to bother. Well, yeah, because their market, their market space is too small. You, you yeah. would say, fine, we'll do it. But that's actually what ultimately drove the that's change. True. Is because Coors said were we're three, done. There were three states. It was us in Oklahoma and I can't remember. Was it like Minnesota? Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. And, and Missouri. <laughs> Missouri, that's one. And, and then, it, was when, it was when, I think, the same year Oklahoma and Missouri both said, said we're done. We're done with the 3.2. And the major manufacturers said, okay, well, we're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. So Utah's hand was kind of forced. But I remember talking to a bunch of brewers back at that point in time, and there was a lot of back and forth on where that mark was going to be set because the state wasn't going to let just anything happen because that's just how Utah operates. And, you know, where they put that mark was was really because of the big boys. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why we adopted the sour approach. You know, we needed a differentiator. And... Part, you know, it was that and it was also pandemic. There's a lot of things that came into it and we were trying to find ourselves. Ultimately, it's now we have a differentiator. I mean, nobody makes a Thai Tom Ka or a Pina Colada or a Peach Cobbler like we do. I mean, it's just flat. Nobody in the country. So we do have a differentiator, which will allow us to expand and has right. allowed us to expand. And we now have distribution in six states. Yeah, I was going to ask, how many states are you guys yeah, in? Yeah, six states. And we were just actually yeah, – so this is the other thing that's happening, which is – I know we're probably going off on a lot of different tangents That's here. right. But the other thing that's happening is, is now hmm. distribution is changing. And the small distributors, just like us, small craft guys, are now being either forced out of the market or being acquired by larger distribution where they have bigger portfolios. And now they're not necessarily taking on new, smaller breweries like ourselves. They have their portfolio, they have their brands, and they're just pushing what they have. So it the distribution component is now changing as well to make it even more difficult. So we're fighting uphill battles on two fronts, one in Utah, two outside the state. And we are now also starting to pivot our... Um, our thought patterns on how we're going to grow the company into the future and opening more direct to consumer type business, meaning 
pubs and yeah. small brew, brew so houses. And so, so is it worth it to just, for example, open up a Shades in Idaho? Yeah, I mean we've considered that, and and you know that way you can distribute Idaho, Montana, California. That's exactly right. Because you're not or multiple with... places in Utah. Yeah, right. So you're getting hyper local, and you're feeding that twenty mile, thirty mile radius, and you have multiple outlets where you're now feeding it, and you have a production brewery that then feeds the smaller pubs, and then you have a small brew system in each of the pubs, so you stay in compliance, so you can sell beer to go. Mm-hmm. Right. So I got a question about Idaho. How many medals did you guys win? No, this year we didn't win any. Didn't take. I haven't even looked at the notes yet. I haven't had time. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't win any this oh, year. That's a bummer. But you know, that's how, that's how it goes sometimes. And it could be just me not filling out the paperwork the right way and giving <laughs> the right descriptions. I was in a hurry. I did it at the eleventh hour. So I mean, you were kind of a one man show for a while. Yeah, it's a it's, yeah. It's been a it's been a battle for the last year or so. So, what are some of the local events that you guys are involved in? Let's talk about that just a little bit. Sure. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We're going to do the Bruce Dillery we talked about in City Weekly, obviously. Yep. Uh, this weekend, uh, we will be, we're not doing the collaboration fast. We'll be, we're not part of the Brewers Guild. Uh, we stopped a couple of years ago being part of the Brewers Guild, uh, for a variety of reasons I won't get into. Um, so we're not there, but we are going to be up in Evanston this weekend and we're going to be pouring at their marathon. Oh, nice. Uh, race, and they have 300 people signed up for it. That's so why it's I'm a pretty. For you. They have a marathon and they hand runners beer. There you go. Line. Exactly. <laughs> the, the worst part about it I is, is that they, they start at 6 30 and they said the first runners will be done by 8 30 in the morning. And I'm like, really? I got to be there at 8 30 in the morning? I don't want a beer too, probably. I'm sure. So that would be an all day event. Um, let's see. What else are we doing? I know we've got stuff lined up. It just kind of falls. Down the path, every almost every weekend, there's something going on. I, Especially I don't know during the, the whole, summer. Yeah, I don't know the whole calendar, but there's something. I mean, there's something going on just about every weekend with beer. That's awesome. That's awesome. But those are the big ones right now that I know is the Evanston, the Bristillery, and the City Weekly. They're just on the top of my mind. So, what's the address for the tap room here if people want to come? Because that is probably the best place to try. Yeah. All the different stuff that, that yeah if you're interested in trying you got to definitely come to the tap room so uh you can also get a good selection downtown at our place on state street as well mm-hmm. um but i wouldn't advise going in late night that's it's a total different vibe there going <laughs> early especially if you're over 30 six <laughs> thirty uh, is a good time like right after work yeah right after work is a good time we open we open at five um uh, go in after five and chill out and have a beer and at the couch and, and, and chill out at the couches <laughs> uh but here uh you can find us here at 154 west utopia in south salt lake so basically two blocks off uh, 21st south on west temple what are your hours for your tap room here uh we open at three in the afternoon and then uh monday uh tuesday we're Monday we're closed. Tuesday till eight p.m. Uh, Wednesday till ten. Uh, Thursday ten, and then Friday, Saturday till midnight. Nice, nice. Uh, I've, I've Sunday, Sunday we open at at three as well. Although I think we talked about opening earlier, maybe at one for the summer. We haven't changed, kind of changed over summer hours because summer hasn't really arrived yet this year. Right, the weather's been a little crazy. It's kind of kind of been weird this year. Which they do have a really nice outdoor patio, plus they've got the indoor space. Yeah, we got the outdoor space, we got the indoor space. What we see is a lot of people like to ride bikes. They mm-hmm. come down here, bring a group of friends, come in. Also, if you don't know about the Visit Salt Lake Brewery Pass, go out and check it out. It's a good thing to do. A lot of people come in with that. Basically, what ends up happening is you get the brewery pass, you come in, we give you a pint of beer, and we charge the visitors, visitors beer for that pint of beer. 
and they pay us. Nice. So, and it's not only good for us, it's good to do the brewery hopping. So oh, salt yeah. fire and level crossing. Everybody's basically on it. So you can pop around and, and go visit your favorite local watering holes. Right. Well, cause you've got quite a few that are close just right here in this area. Yeah. We have walk, walking distance or riding distance. So we have six, I think now that's five so, or six. That's flight. so great. We're between breweries and distilleries. Yeah. yeah. That's so great. I, I, I'm a huge fan of that. I mean, I just think back to like 2000, 2001. You had squatters. <laughs> you went to. You had three, right? You had squatters. Watch that. You went to Moab. That was it. Yeah, and, Mo- and Moab's not here. Moab's in Moab. Yeah. So, and now, I mean, most of the communities, even down in down in Utah County, because strap tanks down there. Yeah. In Utah yep. County now. And well, you got Talisman. And you further south, I'm you go sorry. down. You got Zion Canyon yeah. Brewing, and uh, there's another one down there now too. I forget the name down there. You got Brewer and Helper now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out east. So, I, so the 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 scene has grown quite a bit, and it's it's been fantastic to see all the different breweries um, popping up and and being able to sustain a business. Yeah, yeah, we we appreciate the people that come in and and support us, and we we recommend that they go support the other locals as well. Uh, you know, we can't do it without without everybody out there. Yeah, well, that's maybe not squatters. You and on Moss. <laughs> I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong; I like their beers, but. They're not so local anymore these days. Uh, when they're owned by Monster, not for sure. I know one thing we've noticed in talking with most of the distilleries and breweries is it's not really a competition. It's more of a we work together for the most part. They they seem to be on the same page. Oh, yeah. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example, okay? So uh, Epic called me and said, we need four bags of lactose for a beer we're doing. We were, our delivery didn't show up. No problem. Come over and grab it. Next day, Cody from Bewilder calls me. I need a bag of lactose. It's <laughs> no problem. Come over and, and grab a bag. I call Epic. Hey, my trays didn't come in. I need some trays. Do you have some blank trays I could borrow? So, you know, it, I mean, this all happened within like the last two weeks. Yeah. And that's, that's great to see that kind of, that kind of camaraderie between businesses that are in the same space. I mean, you don't get much closer to being in that same space. And yeah, most businesses don't behave that way. There, it's pretty cutthroat out there. But the brewing business has been more collaborative, and yeah. the the philosophy is that you know, rising ship floats all boats, right? So yeah. it's not you guys against each other; it's you guys against, against the legislature, against <laughs> Anheuser Busch and Molson Coors. The legislature, yeah, yeah that's I mean, right. That's just it. Like that's really the, the competition. Is yeah, the I mean, we can't even say that we're it's Molson Coors. They're just so big that we just can't even compete with those guys. Right. You know, we're trying to capture the mind share of of the local person saying, like, I want to drink something that's different and unique and has more flavor than this. And, and by the way, I know they're going to go out and buy their 30-pack of Bud Light or their 30-pack of Coors Light because you see them all the time. You see them walk out of the grocery store with, you know, a 12 or 15 pack of, of the macro and you see it with a six pack of a local. So we know that it goes, you know, it's just that you just can't drink, you know, these beers like but if you, you can, can get them to buy a water. six pack every time they go in to buy that 30 pack, that's a success. But it is a success for us and we see it as that way. We just hope we, they choose shades instead of somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do frequently. I prefer shades over a lot. So you're not my favorite, but I won't, I won't, I won't blast you on the <laughs> that's, show. Wow. That's okay. But you're, you're, I would say shades is probably number two. So. Yeah. Well, like I said, as far as the, the, the flavors, the, you guys are the so unusual favorite. flavors. Yeah. Like, like your pina coladas and stuff like that. Nobody even comes close. Yeah. yeah and the variety too. Right. Cause you guys do a bunch of different stuff. And we were talking about it. We took a tour. You know, you guys have those smaller, those smaller barrel, 
uh, uh, brewing houses now, and so you can do more different things. More yeah, more. we'll do more and more. Like so, earlier in the year, we had thirty six different brands on our shelf. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of different. That's a lot, that's a lot of beers to, to juggle. Especially for a local. And brewery. and if if I looked at them and I added them all up, about half was traditional beer, non soured, and half was was sour. That's so, great. so we we like to do we like to keep it interesting like keep it different and we know that not everybody's going to drink a sour beer we know that there's people out there that don't like sour beers and what we're trying to 15 percent of what bayou carries so (laughs) (laughs) i don't know last time i was bayou i think it was like 230 something beers so you guys have like you know 15 percent of their beers yep more or less (laughs) i guess i wish i had 15 percent of that money that they're generating (laughs) off those sales uh but uh but ultimately we you know we we want to make the, the beer the best we can. And we want to make it a beer for, we want to make a, a certain style of beer that everybody can drink. Even if you tell me, I don't like beer, my response will be, you just haven't found the right one. I will say, this is the first time that Bree has tried some of the beers. Uh, I think that, what was the first one we had? The I don't know, but the orange dreamsicle one was, was actually pretty tasty. Oh, yeah. See? And she hates beer. So. Yeah. You're very right. The first one was the gay beer. Oh, yeah. That's right. It just tasted like beer to me. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was another sour. It was prickly pear. Prickly, prickly pear. That one was really yeah, good, the actually. prickly pear one is the one first really one I tried. But I like the orange dreamsicle. Yeah. So I'm, so you've already won someone else over. She's going to start drinking beer now. No, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have cans to go. <laughs> uh, how do people get a hold of you guys? How do they find your stuff? Uh, you can always find us on Facebook. Uh, I don't know what the address is, unfortunately. And you can find us on Instagram. If you query up Shades Brewing, it will come up in the list. So Instagram, Facebook. Um, we're starting to work on some TikTok stuff as well. Yay. So you might see that on TikTok here. You're if in Harmon's. If like, they don't get it banned here in Utah. So yeah. Harmon's carries most of your stuff, don't they? Uh, Harmon's carries some stuff. Yeah, you can find it in Harmon's and Smith's. Um, obviously, it's a li- li- liquor store. You can find it at Macy's. And most of the most of the big chains carry at least some of it. Or the best thing is come down here. Come down here. Because then you can sample anything. Yeah, and the ni- nice thing is, well, I shouldn't say this, the nice thing is if I sell it direct out of here, I, I get to cut out some of the... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Some of the you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah, yeah. On both sides. I don't have to give as much to the state. I don't have yep. to give as much to the distributor. Yeah, it's always better to sell direct. Plus, you'll get the freshest stuff here. Yeah, that's, that's right. True. Sometimes you get it before it's even fully done, I don't think. Yeah, I like that. Dippa. <laughs> you probably tank. won't get that if you just show up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you want uh, to find us on social media, it's at TNU Podcast everywhere. Uh, and then our website, thenewutah.com. I don't have affirmations with me because oh, we're on site. So that's right. There's no affirmation for the week. Julia, do you have one? An affirmation? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember... The best beer is a free beer. There you go. There's an affirmation. Solid affirmation.